Mabuhai. Because I just came back from the Philippines. Yeah, it was so good. Filipinos in the house? Yeah, all right. Oh, I just had a really good trip to the Philippines, and I'm going to share some pictures with you guys. You guys ready for that? Home slideshow. Going to hang in there. I promise it won't take up the whole sermon time, but I got some good stuff. Um, it was a heavy trip, an amazing trip. Um, I actually got to go because uh, Compassion International paid for a group of pastors to go over there. I had turned down the trip in the years past. I just thought, ah, oh, yeah, you know, we already give to different areas and we're doing co local community stuff and we do missions and it just wasn't God's timing. I was feeling like, nah, that's all right, I'll pass on that trip. But this time around, what was going on was I've been praying for a new vision from the Lord and just stepping into the role of lead pastor and God, give me some vision. And God's been giving me some stuff and I've been sharing stuff with you guys as more local community outreach I want to see happen, more global missions, more of the Holy Spirit just dwelling in our church and empowering us. And so one of the things I was praying into is, God, I want to, I want to provide opportunities for our church to do more around this world other than just the mission trips. Not everybody can make it on a mission trip, a short-term mission trip, but some of us can touch the whole wide world and outer parts, regions of the world, like God called us to, right? Great Commission, go into all the world. We can, we can touch the world by sitting at home and just supporting kids and, and causes that are good and that are godly and that are Bible-based around the world. So I've been looking into stuff and I've been checking out different organizations and I found Compassion International. I remember they've been asking me to go and stuff like that, but I was more talking to different pastors and just kind of looking at their website, seeing, is this an opportunity for us, God? And God basically confirmed it with me, and he said, yeah, this is something I want your church to be a part of. So I was all excited, and then I had already said no to this trip, and I thought, oh, I already turned that trip down, but it doesn't matter anyway, God. I feel like you're calling this of our church, and we're going to go for it. And then I get like a last-minute email saying, oh, by the way, we haven't talked to you in a few months. We know you said no, but is there any chance you'd still like to come with us on this trip? And I just went, whoa, confirmation right there. I already said it in my heart, and now God's providing the opportunity. So I got to go with about... Uh, nine other pastors, eight or nine other pastors, some from this island, Mike Kai from Hope West Oahu, um, Mike Stangle from North Shore Christian Fellowship, some guys from Outer Islands, Kauai, Big Islands, great bunch of pastors. And we went on this trip, and I got to tell you guys, this is probably the heaviest trip of my life. And I've been a lot of places, a lot of different trips, and um, God pretty much wrecked me on this trip in a good way. You guys ever get that feeling where you're just like, ah, right? Where God just speaks to you and you know it's him and there's a reason why he's calling you to do something. It was that kind of a trip. So I'm going to run through some pictures real fast, I promise. Where's my little laser deal in case I got to point people out? This will work good. There it is. Okay, let's, let's roll with those pictures real quick. I'm going to get through them. Okay, this, just to describe to you where I was, um, they flew us first to, we landed in Manila, which is right here, the capital, and we took about an hour flight down to Negros Island over here, the uh, province of Negros Occidental, and we're in this town right here, the capital, Bacolod, and this place is where I got to see, next slide, I got to see Compassion International, oh, this is how we get around, the jeepneys, anybody ever rode one of those things? Crazy. People in the Philippines, it's like this, you need to go over there, just get in a car and go. There's like no lanes or anything and you're in this jeepney and you're almost sideswiping people and other cars and it's just chaos and everybody's on the horn. Right? The, the turn signals, the blinkers, waste of time. It's all about the horn. The horn is king in the Philippines. But riding one of these things, I'm having a heart attack every time. Go to the next uh, slide. This is Sears in the Philippines and look what they sell. Guns, ammo, and parts. <laughs> Very different culture I was in here. It was kind of culture shock. Next slide. 
Um, this is what it was all about, though. We were going. Compassion paid for us to go so that we could check out the programs and what they do over here. And I got to tell you this, guys. On the whole trip, they never, ever, ever tried to get us to sign up for anything or to sell us in anything. They just said, come along. We'll pay for your expenses. Just see what we do. And if you don't do anything more than that, then bless, uh, let us bless you with a free trip to the Philippines. And that's it. They didn't push anything, which I really appreciate it, you know, because I go into these things whenever someone's asking me to give money and support or whatever. I don't know about you, but I'm skeptical. Where's my dollars going? Where's the kids? What is this really paying for? I got to know. And when I went and I saw what they're doing, they are so organized. They have such integrity. They keep such tight records and they're so just open with here's where everything goes. Here's that you, you have any questions, ask away. So this is the program we got to go to. Go to the next slide. This is a bunch of the kids, and I got to hang out with them. And just the love in these kids' heart, they <coughs> disciple and they train these quick kids well. Um, sometimes you go to third world countries, and the kids are like trying to pick your pockets, and they're just like, we need something, help us. You know, and they're just greedy, take advantage of you. And these kids are just a blessing. They're respectful. They're appreciative of everything that happens. And they know that you represent people that give to them, and they're just, they just love you. And it was, I just thought, man, this organization is run with integrity. This is just, it's just right. It feels Good. Um, go to the next picture here. This is all the way up from the kids. These are some of the, the kids that are being sponsored to go through college. The cream of the crop is in their leadership development program. There's like 60,000 kids in, in sponsored kids in the Philippines. And a, a crop of about 30 to 50 each year um, qualify. The cream of the crop, the ones that are going to be world leaders and changing their communities, they, they actually get sponsors to send them to college. So these are some of those kids that made it. Keep on going. Next slide. Um, everything that Compassion does, I want you to know, this is the amazing part. Everything that they do is run through people like this. These are the local pastors. And this is all of us in the background, the Hawaii pastors. But all of these people here, everything that Compassion, Compassion doesn't exist without partnering with the local church, which I love. I love the accountability. I love the fact that they're bringing hope and, and life and medicine and all of this to these kids. But it's right hand in hand with giving these kids Jesus Christ, changing their life, changing their family's life, changing the whole neighborhood's life, that the church is completely involved. Compassion says we, we don't even exist without the local church. And I just thought, well, I like this organization. It's all about Jesus, nothing but Jesus and the, partnering with the local church. Next slide. Um, this is now visiting some of the houses. And this is um, a bamboo bridge that we had to walk across in the rain slippery into disgusting water in this river below. And you can see there's clothes and stuff down there. That's where they do their laundry and stuff. But it's just gross. We, to get down here, there was like a, a big hill we had to walk down that was just all garbage and black, gross runoff water that was going right into this river. Um, but we had to cross this. And this is where people go every day to get to their house. Go to the next slide. Conditions like this is their kitchen in a, in a local house. Dirt floor, all kind of gross stuff on the floor washing through, but this is their kitchen. Obviously, no windows or anything, just slats. Uh, they cook over here. This is their dishwasher area, pots and pans, cupboard, and this is their sink that they deal with. And these conditions just, like, shocked me. I've been in these kind of conditions before in other countries and seen it and stuff, but again, it just, like, the picture doesn't do justice when you're there and the smell and you take everything in and you see the bugs and the rats and everything and you're just like, well, people live like this. Go to the, the next slide. Here's a typical family. We did a house visit, and in the yellow here is a compassion worker, and this is one of the families and some of the kids that they sponsor. We got to visit the houses, and man, it, I got to tell you this. When I was getting brought to tears, because I don't 
tear up easily. But when God gets a hold of you, you know it's good just to let it go, right? And let him minister to you. And I was losing it, not based on the conditions of the houses, but based on the fact that there's godly people in there helping people and giving them hope. The Filipino pastors you talked to and the, the people in the area said, the biggest problem that we have is that people in this area have no hope. And compassion comes along, partnering with the local churches and pastors. They give them Jesus Christ. They give them hope. And hope begins to bloom in one family, and it's contagious, and it begins to spread in the neighborhood, and it begins to take over a community when Jesus comes into the picture. And I was, that's why I was tearing, because we can have an opportunity to bring hope and bring Jesus in through the donations and the money that we send. And I was like, this is so God, this is so good. Now that I've been exposed to this and seen the full ins and outs of this, how can I not be a part of this? How can I not bring my church? God, I'm responsible for everything I see and hear that comes from you. How can I not bring my church into being a part of this? So I'm going to be pushing this thing hard. We're going to have a compassion weekend, but I'm just sharing my heart with you guys. Um, next picture. This is this little kid right here. He's basically standing in his own house, his like living area. It looks like he's outside or whatever, but all that trash, all of that, that's just right there in his own house. And because he's right next to the ocean, at high tide, this room kind of disappears. It goes under a few inches of water, so they have to go into the next room that they have in their house, one other room that's like a, a foot or two up on, on blocks. And their family of about six people all live and sleep together in this one 10 by 10 foot room with no electricity, with barely real walls, and there's one little sleeping platform. And I'm just going, man, how, how can these people find hope if not for Jesus Christ coming in and giving them a reason to live Next picture, this is just the amazing record keeping that they have on every single child. They photocopy everything, every letter that you write to your kids, every dollar amount that goes in, they log, they catalog. I was blown away at how well they take care of these kids. Next slide. Um, they, got, they got pictures. When you send them money to say, hey, my, my child's interested in art supplies, can you make sure that they get some crayons and pencils? They actually go, let me take a picture because we bought your kids what you requested and we want you to see and know that we're buying this and we're, we're taking this. I just thought, man, they were so open, just full disclosure on everything. Next slide. Um, this is at Compassion Headquarters. And what I was impressed with was how messed up and old and run down looking this sign was. And then when I went in the office and I go, there's nothing special here. There's 81 staff members running 60,000 sponsored kids in the Philippines. And I thought, this is awesome because it says all my money isn't going into facilities and into fat paychecks. It's going straight to those kids. They said 80% of all the money that you send, 80 cents on the dollar goes directly to that kid. 20 cents is left over to pay all of their staffing, pay all their overhead, the facilities and all that. And I just thought, are you sure that's enough? Like, I'd be okay if you broke it down a little better. That's 20 cents out of every dollar cent. I don't know if that's enough. And they said, no, 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 we make it work because we want as much money as possible from what you send to go straight to your kid to meet your needs. And I thought, that is a pretty good organization. They keep great records on all the kids. This is, you can see, this is how many are uh, registered with them. So currently are, are sponsored. They're looking for sponsors for this many. This is the number of projects, which projects are basically churches. They don't have any type of a set up a project outside of the local church, which says full accountability, full Jesus going out there to these kids. Because I don't know about you, but as a, as a church, when I give money, we, we could team up with lots of great organizations out there. But because we're a church and we stand for Jesus, I want to make sure that the ones we're investing in are giving away Jesus, don't you? I mean, it's great to give food and there's a place for all of that. And it's great to give medical supplies. That's good. 
but we stand for something a little higher, a little bit more godly. And I want to know that if I'm given money, I'm going to see that kid in heaven someday. Amen? Kingdom-minded, right? So that's what these guys are all about. Next slide. Um, all of the workers, this guy, um, my friend Peter here, he, he was a compassion child. Compassion saved his life. When he was a little kid growing up in Uganda and Rwanda, he said he saw as a little kid dead bodies piled high and had no place to go. And someone took a chance at sponsoring him and those became his parents. And to this day, those are his parents that really loved him. He sees his other parents too, but they were set up in life in a hard way. But every single person I met from this guy who's a, now a compassion worker, he said, compassion saved my life. How can I not give back to what they're doing? Next slide. Um, to all of the volunteers, all these guys in yellow shirts, they're from the local churches and they work at the project with these kids, loving on these kids. The hearts and the smiles of these people who found hope and are dealers of hope now, giving that away, all the way to the next one. Here's uh, a, one of the little girls, a compassion worker I had lunch with, all the way to the next slide, the top of the organization. This is my friend Noel, who is the leader for Philippines, Compassion in the Philippines, overseeing all of this and all of these kids. Every single one of their hearts was basically, I love Jesus and I love these kids and we're going to help them. We're going to do whatever. There wasn't one person I came across who was like, yeah, I just do this for community service, right? Or like, I just do my job. Every single one of them, and some of them don't even get paid. They're just like, we love kids and we love Jesus and we're going to put the connection together and we're going to bless communities and we're going to change lives. And I thought, I was broken on this. I was humbled and I said, I don't know if my attitude is as pure as your attitude. I don't know if my church loves Jesus as much as these people. I mean, I was humble. I was floored. Not to put anybody down, but I just thought the, the sincerity and the genuine love for Christ and his kids in this organization, I said, sign me up. I'm all about it. And I used to be a part of sponsoring kids through other organizations before, but hands down, this is the most godly, Christ-centered, Bible-based thing that I've ever seen in my life. And I'm, I'm humbled to be a part of this. Go on to the next one. Um, of course, we got to reap some of the benefits, the, the pig right there, lechon, they call it. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, lechon. We got to eat this um, on the last day. These are all the pastors, and this is what everybody does in the Philippines. I don't know why, but this is like their deal, right? In, in Hawaii, we're like, hey, right? And in Japan, they're like, but in the Philippines, <laughs> this is the deal. So this is us doing the deal. Go to the next one, enjoying a little bit of the pig. Uh, honestly, I didn't really get to eat that much of it, thanks to a little friend of mine by the name of Traveler's Diarrhea. <laughs> None of this pig was for me. Sorry, I had, a, I had a bout with it. That's what you get. You go to third world countries, right? Don't drink the water. Something happened. I dealt with it. Big deal. You move on. All for Jesus, right? But anyway, we got to deal with this stuff. Go to the next one. But really, the heart of what this trip was all about for me was this. And this is what compassion is all about, is taking kids, the same kids that I met they're living in just harsh, drastic conditions with no hope, with no medical supplies, with no Jesus, and finding a program that brings in all of that. They're into holistic childhood development. That means they want your kid that they sponsor to not be, well, we'll feed them for a little bit. It's they, bring, they bring food, they bring schooling to the parents to, to have healthy families, to take care of the medicine, to give them Jesus, spirituality, give them education. All of this, they're in it for the long haul. They want to take your kid and completely cover them and grow them up all the way to graduating from high school and some of them even into college level to send them back as a blessing to their neighborhood, their community, a fully, wholly healed and filled kid. And I just thought, man, that's amazing. And this is some of the kids. Go to the next slide. Just all of these kids, these are the lives that, that they're changing. That my dollars, 38 bucks a month sending, can be changing lives like this. I love this. Go to the next one. 
Um, here's the kids that taken in from that broken world and, and compassion and the local pastors are, are just partnering together and changing lives. Next picture. Um, this, this kid over here on the side doing his, you know, Filipino deal. I don't even know what they call that thing, but I, I love that pose. But this kid, you see it in these kids' lives that they, they're finding hope. They're finding a reason to live. And they would, they come and these little kids couldn't sit still. They're sitting next to me in the, the service there, in the church service. And they're just so excited to be with us. And kids just dancing like every five minutes. And he's so excited. He's sitting next to me. He starts feeling all the hair on my arm, right? Because Filipinos, no more hair on their arms, right? So he's like, ooh, you're hairy beast, right? And he's like feeling my arm. And, and then the, he's just like doing stuff to me and hanging on me the whole time. And like I said, they're not like greedy, taking advantage. They just, they're absorbing the love that is offered to them and the hope. And then next thing I know, he's like, he's like over there on my lap, you know, he's like sitting on my lap, I'm like, what's going on? You know? And they're just loving on me like my own kids, you know, and I'm just like, man, they're so hungry and they're doing such a good thing here and giving these kids the love that they need. It's it's amazing. Go to the next slide. But it's all about these kids, man. And here's some of the older ones, of course, doing their deal. And I'm just hanging out with them outside, having a good time. But just to see the joy, because what you look around, it's hopeless. Hopelessness in their eyes, in their lives. But Jesus is coming in and changing them. It's amazing. Next slide. I think I'm almost through it. It's, yeah, it's all these kids. And the, the way that they got the organization run so effectively. Next slide. Um, you just can't help but smile and just... just just come alive when you see how hungry these kids are and the life that's coming on. Next one. I think that maybe the last one. Is that the last one? Okay, that's what it's all about. But I wanted just to share with you guys because um, I think any good pastor, it, part of his heart is to share his vision and his heart with the congregation and, and to lead you and to know where we're going. And, and I'm, I'm going to tell you that we're going to be a part of this. I committed us. To, in fact, I was there and there was, um, they showed us their leadership development program one night and they, they had a bunch of the leaders that from this batch of kids that they said these are the cream of the crop the ones that are that are growing and that are the most changed and they're ready to pour back into their communities um, and they get sponsored three hundred dollars a month now right three thirty eight bucks a month for when they're up to high school but you got to pay for university which is still peanuts compared to America's standards, right? 30 grand a year for college. You're only paying 3,600 a year for these kids to get a really good university education. So these, there was a bunch of those kids and they were sharing their testimonies one night and saying how compassion has saved their life and they know Jesus and they were able to take Jesus to their parents, their brothers and sisters, their, their communities being transformed. And these kids are so appreciative that someone's paying for them to go to university so they could come back and be leaders in their community. And some of them are turning into police officers. Some of them are running for government positions. Some of them are coming back into churches being pastors. Some of them are compassion workers, but they're changing the world around them. And I'm just like so proud and blessed by these guys. And then there's one girl that they're like, oh, we didn't hear from you yet. And she's like, oh, I'm not really supposed to be here. I was sponsored and I'm in the sponsorship program, you know, as a, as a leadership development program, LDP student. They're paying for my college, but I don't really have a sponsor yet. And, and all the pastors were like, what, this girl, you made it this far and you're not even sponsored right now? And so uh, Mike Kai's like, well, you know what, if by the end of the night, none of these pastors have it on their heart or whatever to sponsor you, I'll sponsor you because my heart is going out to you. I believe in this program. Mike already sponsors an LDP student and some other, the younger ones and stuff. And he goes, our church will do it. And I go, wait a minute, wait a minute. What if I jump in right now? And so I volunteered and I took and I said, Hope Chapel Kanyoi Bay is going to sponsor you for your college education. And the girl just breaks down and says, thank you, thank you. And all the other kids are just gathering around her. Yeah, they're like so stoked, right? And the pastors are high-fiving me and I'm like trying to fight off the tears. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm just 
thank you, God. Thank you that I got to act right there when I saw it. Because a lot of times God speaks and we like wait and then it dies down, right? And I was going, God, I want, I want a chance to put my money where my mouth is. If you're touching me, I want to do something. I want to commit our church to it. And I can't wait to sponsor kids of my own. You know, we're going to get into that program. Maybe in a couple months, we're going to have the Compassion Sunday thing. But I wanted our church to commit. We're going to be a part of this thing. And it's just, it's awesome. So I got to meet her. So anyways, you guys are going to hear more of this. I hope I wasn't boring you. But I don't want you guys to see this as, oh, great. Pastor's going to lay on us some guilt trip that we have to give. No, you don't have to give if you don't want to give. Seriously, it's off your heart. But what I see it is, here's an opportunity for us to be a blessing, knowing that when we be a blessing, we receive blessings. And I want our church to grow, not just numerically, spiritually. And so I want to provide opportunities to stretch and to challenge our faith to say, if I can give toward the starting of Joe Onasai's church or towards Pastor Elwin Ahu's church, which, by the way, is just blowing doors and it's growing and it's uh, New Hope Metro is going so awesome, partly because of the offering, the tithe, the offering, not the tithes. Tithes go to the local storehouse. The offerings we give above and beyond that we gave to him, man, what that does for us is God in turn goes, those are my kind of people. How can I not bless my kids that are givers in the kingdom? So here's another opportunity where I'm allowing our church to partner and to bless the world through compassion. You're going to hear more about that later. Anyways, that was that was my last week, and I'm blown away, and God did new stuff in my life, and I'm fired up, and we're ready to jump into the Word of God this morning. Amen? Amen. All right, turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, you heard from Pastor Tom last week. He brought the Word, I heard. It was good, right? Um, I got to always like thank our staff. We have an incredible staff. You saw our executive pastor up here today, Pastor Lori Higa. Um, I, I love working with the team that we have. We're family. We're bonding. We're getting closer. We're hanging out. We're knowing our strengths and weaknesses, and it's good to be in the family of God, and I praise God for Pastor Tom and his uh, ability to bring the word and his passion, and man, God's given us a good staff, but he talked a little bit last week, if you guys remember, um, there was focus on not comparing leaders. Remember that? He said, well, uh, in, in 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul's talking, well, some of you guys follow Paul, and some of you follow Apollos, and some of you say, oh, it's only Jesus Christ, and basically, some of the message from last week was just don't worry about all the leaders that you follow. Just serve God on your own. Focus. Remember what he's called you to do and go about that. You guys remember that? Does that sound familiar? He taught on that last week. I hope so. I hope people listen to when people preach at you in church. Um, but today, Paul's going to describe a little bit more our position as, listen to this. He's given us a position as, as Christians. He describes us as this. All of us Christians are called servant managers. I want you to get that concept into your head. I, myself, when I wake up every morning, have to remember, as a Christian, there's a description for what, what I do and who I am. I'm a servant manager. And he begins to describe that. We're going to get into that, what that means. And he talks about some of the requirements and some of the rewards that can be expected from having that position. So here we get, we're going to get into it. We're only going to do five verses today. But I think they're powerful verses if we break it down and we really absorb what they mean. Look at the first verse, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1. This is Paul, and he says, So look at Apollos, who was another leader, right? Another kind of pastor at the time. Look at Apollos and me as mere servants. Key word right there is servants. People of Christ who have been put in charge of explaining God's ministries. Mysteries, sorry. So he says we're servants, but we've also been put in charge. And we're going to kind of look at that double concept. But first, we're going to focus on this word servants. If you're taking notes, which I hope you are, 
Because taking notes kind of drives the point home and personalizes it a little bit more in your head so you walk away having learned something. Also, it's good because when you go to mini church this week, you can write down the stuff that God was speaking to you when you were hearing the word of God and you get to share it with other people and it becomes a life sharing group. That's what mini church is all about. But if you're taking notes, write down this, this first thing, real simple. We are servants. Just write that down. Because Paul is trying to drive home the fact, he goes, Apollos and me, we're servants. But in many of his other letters, even in this book as well, he, he calls it to all of us as Christians. He goes, we are all servants of God, servants of the Most High. And we need to understand our place as servants. The word here in the original Greek text, the real meaning for this word right here he's using, servants, literally means this. You and I are called to be under rowers. You guys got that? Under rowers. You know, like in the movies, you see the ships and when the, the wind uh, stops blowing and the sail's not moving, they get all the guys that are down under deck and they're all on the oars and they're all pulling together, right? You're all rowing the boat together to keep momentum going to get to the destination where you're at. Well, we got to see ourselves every day when we wake up. I'm a servant. I'm a servant. Of, I'm an under rower. And Jesus Christ is the guy up on top calling commands. Stroke, stroke pull, go, right? He's the one that's our boss and, and we are mere servants and we're just thinking ourselves as under rowers in the kingdom. And we got to see ourselves as this way. And he says, um, we are mere servants, people of Christ who've been put in charge of explaining God's mysteries. What we got to understand is this concept of servant is that when we became a Christian, when we said yes to Jesus Christ, what we just did is we signed our life away. You guys understand that? It, it's not that you're going to go, well, here's a new thing in my life. Now you literally signed away your rights and you say, because of what you did on the cross, you went to the cross, you're the boss, right? Isn't that true in our lives? Otherwise, don't call yourself a Christian if Jesus really isn't your boss and you're not a servant to him. Because if you're running your own show, why call yourself Christian, which means follower, disciple of Christ, if it's more like, I'm, no, I'm just Carl. And once in a while, I might go to church. I can't call myself a Christian unless I realize he went to the cross for me. He's the boss of my life. Right? And so we understand that I gave up all my rights. Why? Because he bought my life back. Because God said, you were headed for destruction and for hell because that's what you deserve because of sin. But because of my son dying on the cross and you accepting what he did for you, he paid for your life. So God owns my life now. So I got to wake up every day and just remind myself, I'm a servant. I, I, I can stress and I can plan and I can control, but that's wrong because God's got it. All I am is an under rower. Jesus, you tell me where to go. I'm just going to do this thing for you. I'm an under rower of God. And I, I believe that we say things in a wrong way sometimes. I believe we say this phrase a lot, and it's really wrong. And this phrase is saying this, well, I'm so excited that I have God in my life. Anybody ever said that? You're like, you tell other people, I'm so stoked to have God in my life. Come on, you know you've said it, right? It's such a blessing to have God in my life. But did you know that's really a wrong statement? Because it's not that we bring God into our lives. When we become Christians, we surrender our very life to God, our whole life, right? It's not that like, here's Carl's life, and I'm going to add a little bit of mm, surfing, a little bit of education, a little bit of friendship. Oh, and God, let me add a little bit of you, a couple shakes of God in my life. That would say that my life is still mine and everything in it belongs to me, and all I did was add God to my life, right? The correct thing to say is not that I have God in my life, is that I've surrendered my life to you. I give my everything that's me is now in you. It's in God. Amen? Amen. That's, that's the role of a servant. That's the image every day when we wake up that says, here I am, God, what do you want me to do? I'm just rowing the boat for you because my whole life is in you. And we need to really understand that, that it's his 
house rules that we live by. He's, he's the boss. Remember when you were still living in the house? You remember how your parents always used to say, while you're living under my roof, you got to play by my rules. Anybody have the parents like that, that were really good to remind you of your place every day? You're my servant, right? While you're under my rules, it, I make the house rules, right? So we had to deal with things like eat your vegetables. Why? Because I said so. Oh, why else? Because there's people starving in China, Africa, you know, pick a country, right? We all had them, right? There's people starving and whatever, but you got to play by the house rules because you're not the boss when you're a kid, right? And hey, make sure you're home by 10. Make sure you're home by 11. Remember that? And high school, how much of a bummer that was. And we didn't even have cell phones back in the day when I had, but we had a little bit of technology. We had the old pager, right? Remember like, oh no, mom, right? And, and you didn't really even get the full message. You just got the number, right? And you knew who it was that was calling you at 10.30 at night or whatever. And then it's like this. Anybody got a quarter? Because I got to go find a, right? Because you didn't have a phone. So it's like, oh, man, I got to go borrow a phone or 10 cents, back, depending on how old you were, right? Right? Telegraph some of you. Morse code. I don't know. But curfew. Right? That's one of the things that you're just like, ah, oh, I got to deal with curfew. Or the girlfriend comes over, right? Kanani comes over and, oh, come, let's cruise in my bedroom. Keep the door open. Ah, oh, shucks, right? You got to deal with all the house rules. And this is the way it is with God. We got to remember, here's Paul going, guys, we're servants. Right off, right? Straight thing. Let me just tell you guys, you know, we're leaders. Yeah, you think we're leaders, whatever. All of us are mere servants. And we got to play by the house rules. Because why does God set the house rules? for our benefit. He's not trying to be a downer, but all the stuff that my parents put on me, I look back now and I'm like, I'm going to do the same for my kids because I was good. That taught me discipline. That kept me from trouble. That kept me from harm. And so we're just servants every single day. God, I know there's stuff you want me to do and I'm just going to obey you because you got my best interest in mind and you're taking care of me. And so Paul says, we're servants and he's given us the task. He's put us in charge of explaining the mysteries of Jesus Christ to other people. That means all of us, not just Paul and Apollos as pastors, all of us are responsible for sharing Jesus with other people. That's the task he's given us. You serve me, here's what I'm giving you to do. Look at the, the next verse. It says, now a person who's put in charge as a manager, because that's what we are, we've given a, been given a task as servants to go give away Jesus. It says they must be faithful. They must be faithful. That means that God has put People in your life and responsibilities in your life, like the question we asked this morning, who is it that you really feel led to share the love of Jesus with? Or whatever the, the question was, close enough, right? Each of us, we know who God has given us. Each of us as managers, we know who those people are. As much as maybe we don't want to, you know, deal with it and God's going, yeah, you're supposed to talk to that irritating guy in the office or you're supposed to talk to, like Kanani said, the irritating neighbor instead of calling the cops on him, I want you to go love on him and pray with him. And we know who they are. And some of us are like, no, I don't want to know. I don't want to know that guy. But God goes, no, I've given every one of you a specific task as my servants, as my managers. And I want you to, the word manager, here's what it really means. The word manager means an overseer of things that belong to the master. That God says, you're the overseer of things that I'm calling you to, that I've entrusted you with, that really belong to me. And I want you to manage them well, like your friends in, in, that you go to school with, your coworkers on the job. Your, your neighbors, your, your family members, those people are in your world for a reason. You're supposed to love on them and show them the love of Jesus Christ. And all of us sitting here right now, we all have different tasks, different people in mind, right? And that's what makes us so unique is God says, each one of you has a different task. But you know who those people are. I know that there's one person in this church 
that knows his task, he knows his responsibility, because I get prayer cards every single week that are saying, you know what, please pray with me for my brother, and he calls him by name, and he says, I'm targeting this guy, this guy's my responsibility, and I know it, and I'm going to do the best I can to, to carry out this responsibility you've given me, God, because this is the, my target, this is the person that you've assigned me. And he knows, and he, so he writes it every week. I'm praying, I'm praying. Oh, I talked to him today. He's getting closer. I can't wait to see the day that he's saved. Oh, this is good, this is good. But all of us need to realize, who is it that God has called you to? What responsibilities has he given you as head of a household? I know that my first ministry is my family. I got to look after my wife and my kids. But who else is in my world that God is going, you got to do what I've called you to do. And me as a pastor, you got to speak well. I've given you this gift. You got to love these people. You got to lead them somewhere. You got to share vision with them. You got to bring them closer to me. You got to call the lost. You got to know your specific. And I know that one of the things that will never change about this ministry and this church is that we have a love for the lost, is that we don't turn ourselves into the, the holy huddle where we build up the walls. We come to church and we're a fortress to hide from the rest of the world. And we're just going to get in, in love with Jesus together and go deeper together. And we don't have room for outsiders. That is not the vision and heart of this church or this pastor. And so that we're always going to do a salvation prayer at the end of every service. We're always going to preach in such a way that if you walk in here this morning having never known about God, you can go, that made sense to me. Thank you for, ma for making the message of Jesus Christ so easy and attainable. And yet our goal is also to say, but let me be able to preach to those of us that have been with the Lord for a long time that you still feel fed and you still feel like you're getting something and you're getting challenged to go do something with your faith. See, some things will never change and you got to know your responsibility and you got to stick on track for what that is. Do the best with what you have, with what God's called you to do because you're a manager. You're a servant, but you're a manager. He's calling you to do stuff. Look at verse three. It says, Paul says, as for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. In fact, I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but that still doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord himself who, who will examine me and decide. See, write this in your notes right now. God's opinion of me is the only one that matters. Amen? God's opinion of me is the only one that matters. Now, that, that doesn't say that, that God doesn't use people to speak into your life, to convict you, to challenge you, to encourage you. That's good. But what I'm talking about is a lot of times we just listen to the negativity and we lose sight of all the good, positive things that God's doing in our life. And all we focus on is the one comment that someone made that just tears us down and knocks us down. And we believe the self-doubt and the fear of failure. And sometimes, even as Paul says, sometimes I'm my own worst critic. Amen. Sometimes we're our own worst critics and we say, God, I could never do that. God, I can't believe that you'd be using me. And it's God's opinion of me that is the only one that matters. See, sometimes we get to this point, I get to this point in my life where one day I just look at myself and I look at who I am and I just look in the mirror and I just start doubting, start believing all that. Man, look at my weaknesses over here and I'm, I'm so this and I'm so that. And even that guy said that about me and oh, I just beat myself up. And I go, God, I... I'm amazed and surprised that you even let me in this position that I have as a dad. I'm, I can't believe it, God. Why? I'm amazed, but I'm, I'm amazed in a shocked way because I don't believe it myself. I can't believe that you'd allow me to be a dad or a husband. I can't believe that you called me to be a pastor. God, seriously, I'm a joke and people know it, and I'm just surprised and amazed that you would even use me. Well, guess who's not surprised? God. God is not surprised at all by where he put you and how far you made it in this life because he goes, that's right. I created you. I designed you. I put you there. Of course you're there. I'm not surprised. Why are you surprised at yourself? 
Why are you doubting yourself? Why are you doubting me? My opinion's the only one that matters. I don't care about what those negative people are saying about you, and I don't care about what you believe about yourself. I'm your biggest fan because I made you and I got things in store for you. I got plans for you. I'm on your side. I got your back. I'm not surprised you're there because I know that you're going to go even farther. So stop doubting. Stop listening to the lies that everyone else is putting on you and stand up and keep your eyes on me because my opinion is the only one that matters. I love that Paul is saying this. You know, even my conscience is clear. Sometimes we think we're doing okay. And yet God says, you know what? It's the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. That that's realizing in our own lives that even sometimes when we feel pretty good, we still got to keep an eye out to God and go, God, I think I'm okay, but, and God comes along and he points something out. Oh, you still got to work on this. Oh, oh, thanks for calling me on that, God. I didn't want my pride getting up there. It doesn't matter what I think of myself, what other people think of me. I want God to determine who I am. All I got to do, as Paul is saying here, is do your best with what you've got. Manage well. Do your best. Let God take care of the rest. Don't listen to, the, to what people are criticizing you about. Do your best. Let God take care of the rest. And here's the other thing. Don't look back and think you could have done it better. Don't look back at something you said yesterday or a year ago or something and go, see, I'm so dumb. I could have said that so much better. No, God said, do your best at the time with what you got, the resources you have, and what you know. Just do your best for me. Keep your eyes on me, and I got you. I'll cover you. I'll cover the rest. And I look back at my life and I look so, oh my gosh, I was so immature. I can't believe I used to treat people like that. I can't believe, God goes, stop looking back there because then you're going to doubt your future. I want you just to, in the present now, focus on me and try to please me. Let's just make dad proud, right? Let's make our heavenly father proud and he's going to take care of it. Psalm 26, verse 2 says, put me on trial, Lord, cross-examine me, test my motives and my heart. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So what he's telling us here is, listen to God and his promises for you. Don't listen to all the static that's out there. Don't listen to what people are saying about you that's going to knock you down. Don't listen to your own thoughts about yourself because God has good plans for your life and he's proud of you where you are. If you're doing your best, then that's all he cares about. Live to make your heavenly father proud. If every day you can wake up and say, God, I'm just going to live my life today to make you proud. I don't know what the world's going to do, but I'm going to do my best to live according to your word and what your Holy Spirit's speaking to me. I just want to make you proud. Well, then you're going to have a good day no matter what happens. No matter if in doing so you fell on your face you fell on your face as you were trying to serve God. And God is going, that's all right. Get back up, buddy. You got this. You're just living to please me. Don't worry about what everyone thinks of you. You're doing it for me. You're doing it 100% for me. Verse five, or verse 5, he actually says, so don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns. For he will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. You know what he's in sense saying here when he says don't make judgments about anyone? He's saying comparing, and just write this one down, comparing, criticizing, and judging is a waste of time, complete waste of time. When we sit around and we like look at other people and we go, oh, compare them to me, and oh, that guy, I don't know, God, he doesn't deserve this, and whatever, that's a waste of time. We ought to spend our time going around promoting and encouraging other people instead of criticizing, judging, and comparing. You know what's so sad is you go online sometimes and you look up different churches and you look up our church, you look up different leaders and stuff. And I, I Google in the different names of churches and you find their website, but you also find websites of haters out there. 
people that are saying, I had a bad experience at Hope Chapel. I don't like New Hope. And I am this and this, Calvary, and blah, blah, blah. And you have, it, as much as you find good stuff to say about different churches, you can find all the people with blogs and everybody's got an opinion, right? And how they're tearing down. But here's the saddest thing when I see those things. They're not coming from people outside the church as much as they're coming from people in the church, in other churches, tearing other churches and leaders down. That is disgusting. That is sad to me that we spend so much time criticizing our own body. We're going to all be in heaven someday together. We're the family of God. If anything, we're supposed to have each other's backs, right? I went on this trip to, to the Philippines with all these other pastors from different churches and different denominations, about eight or nine of us together. And ahead of time, I was tempted to go look up who they all were and with their churches and find out, oh, how much people do they have? Oh, what kind of, how do they feel about the Holy Spirit? Oh, I wonder about what they think about eternal salvation and blah, 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 blah. Their different beliefs and stuff, right? Oh, what's their worship team like? You know, I was tempted to do that. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. That's a waste of time to me. I want to go into this trip, and I did, go into this trip knowing these guys are my brothers. And I'm meeting them, some of them here for the first time. And we're on the same team. And we love Jesus. And we love kids. And we're here to learn about that. And we're on the same team. And this is exciting. And you know what? You know how blessed I was? because I didn't waste time trying to compare or criticize or judge, but I just got to go, this is my family. Yeah, I got your back, man. I've never been to your church. It doesn't matter. You serve the same God as I do, right? It wasn't like other religions. What is it like, like Buddhists or, you know, some different belief system. It was all Christians in the family of God. They all believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way to the Father. So I knew we were on the same team. So I don't need to go nitpick at like, well, I think we do this better than your church or this or that. Or, I just got to go be with my brothers and be strengthened and build new relationships. And that's the way we got to live our lives. Amen. Stop comparing ourselves to one another. Stop comparing how good other people are. We don't need no room for judgment. God does call us, however, to judge sin, right? If someone's in sin, we're supposed to go in a loving way and gently restore them. If my, my brother or my sister is blowing it, I do have the right, Paul tells us later, I do have the right to go and say, hey, you're kind of falling off over here. I want you back in the best place where you need to be in the family of God. Not in a judgmental way, but in a way that says, hey, come, come, I got you. Let's get back on track here. But we don't need to do judgment and criticism in a way where we're just tearing people down for the sake of gossip, right? It's just, it's ridiculous. We don't need to do it. And this is what Paul's saying. Don't make judgments about anybody because God knows everybody's true motives. I might think some guy's so awesome and judge him in a positive way, put him on a pedestal. That guy's a hero. I'm going to follow him. Hero worship. He's a Christian leader. He speaks at conferences. He is awesome. And it says, but God knows the pure motives of the heart. Maybe that guy wasn't worth that in the first place because there's something going on. So don't idolize. Don't judge in a positive way. But also don't look down on someone because of what you see on the outside because you don't know that they may be a stronger, holier person than you on the inside. We have no room for that. Let's just focus on what God has called us to do. Kingdom-minded, not tearing down one another. Let God be the judge. It says, then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. God is the one that will bless us and promote us if we're just doing what we're called to do. And that we need to keep our eyes on him. And that means sometimes we're going to be managers that fall and trip up and we backslide a little bit and we're trying to do daily devotions and then we miss a whole week and we're like, oh my gosh, I'm a sinner. No, 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 just jump back up and try again, right? Because God is blessed when you keep trying. Even if you fall, he's stoked that you keep trying. I love this quote I read somewhere. It says, you're not a failure if you try and you don't succeed. You're only a failure if you never try, right? Wouldn't you guys agree in your life? Is that if, I, if I'm moving towards God and like, oh, I slipped up, 
oh, I messed up. I kind of did something wrong. But you know what? I'm going to go back at it and I'm going to try again. Then God's going, that's my boy. Keep going. I'm proud of you. But if I sit there and I go, I don't want to make a move because I'm scared that if I fall, if I try, I might fail. I'm not going to do anything, right? And God's going, you failed already because you're not even trying to do what I've called you to do. I'm calling you to manage and manage to the best of your ability. And even if that looks, looks a little shaky, don't worry. I got your back. I'm cheering you on. I'm going to make you a better manager. Just keep on trying. Get up and try again. Shake off the dust and try again. Anybody in this room ever watch that amazing show? It's such a manly show called Project Runway. Anybody here? <laughs> I happen to be watching this the other day. I don't know why. I was, I was preparing my sermon, and my daughter, my 13-year-old daughter, is on the couch, and she's watching this show. And you just get distracted. You know, I'm like, I'm like studying the Word, and then I just keep on hearing this Project Runway. And the whole deal is it's like a, it's like a competition for um, fashion designers, right? And they got to design clothes and dresses and stuff. And, and the models are kind of competing, too, because like the, the best models and the best um, fashion designers keep on getting, going far, farther forward towards Fashion Week, whatever that is. I don't know what it is. Something cool. Fashion Week. They all want to be at Fashion Week, and they keep on getting eliminated, right? If you're not good enough, you get sliced. Oh, sorry, your dress is a mess. See ya, right? And they got these, like, these, these Cindy Crawford and Heidi Klum, these famous models, and they come, and they bring everybody at the end of the show, and they judge you so hard. They work these poor people. Like, they call them, okay, now somebody is going home today. And everyone's like, oh, you know, and they're like, oh, you're biting their nails. And they're like, we're going to look at your dress and we're going to judge you and your model and all this. And, you know, only the best make it. And someone gets to stay and someone gets to leave. And everyone's all bummed and they're scared. And the models are like not like the, the hosts. They're not cool either. They're not like, okay, sorry, we have to do this. They're more like this. Please stand before me. You may or may not make it out of here alive. You know, like they're just so like brutal. And they're like, we looked at your dress today. And they're just like, oh, what do you think? You know, but they don't, they don't crack a smile, right? And then, unfortunately, they always have to send someone home. So I was watching this episode with my daughter the other day while I'm studying for my notes. And um, this, this, I don't know where she's from, Austria, Russia, or something, some kind of accent. This girl, Jordana, comes up there, right? And they judge their deal, and she gets the ax. Boom, sorry, your dress is a mess, or, you know, whatever they say. And so she's like, she's off. And it was so cool to see her reaction because sometimes people flip out. Sometimes they're like, ah, you know, they just, they lose it and they're like, but I'm so much better. And sometimes they're like, well, I'll see you and beep, 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 beep. You know, and they, they give the models like a whole like mouthful because I'm awesome and you're going to hear, it's not the last you hear from me. And it just depends on the, on the reaction, right? Hang on, I'm, I'm getting where, somewhere with this, I promise. But so this lady Jordana is up there and they slice her. And basically she's just like, and this is what she said. I, I kind of just, I paraphrase it, I try to catch it. But she says this in her, in her accent. I will not be defeated. <laughs> well, that sounds like a man, but I will. <laughs> it's Arnold is coming back to me, right? Hans and Franz, we're here to pump you up. But Jordana goes like this. She goes, uh, I will not be defeated that I didn't make it to Fashion Week. And this is what she said. I came from nowhere, and I made it so far. I will keep trying. And I was like, stand up for my notes. Yeah, Jordana, right? And my daughter's like, Dad. You know, and I was like, yeah. But she did it. She said it in such a humble way, but such a way that said, yeah, you know what? I didn't make it this time, but I'm going to keep trying. She wasn't cocky. She wasn't anything. It's the attitude that we ought to have that says, God's called me to manage well what I'm doing. And sometimes I'm not going to make it up, up according to the world's view of me or my own view of myself. 
But God says, I'm just serving him and I'm just managing what he's entrusted me with. And I'm working on this friend at work and I really want them to know Jesus and I didn't quite say it the right way, but that's okay. I got tomorrow and I'm coming back and I'm gonna try again and I'm gonna do this thing for you. And God is just going, that's my boy. That's my girl. That's how you're supposed to live your life. Just make me proud, keep trying and I got you. I promise I will promote you. God will give to each one whatever praise is due. It's up to God to decide how much he'll bless us. But we get the blessings, we get the promotion when we just keep trying. God, all I am is what Paul is saying here today, is a servant manager. And I'm just going to keep on trying to give Jesus away to other people. And I'm not going to give up. And you've got to realize this. This is the reason why it's so important. Most of us sitting here today were someone's project, were someone's responsibility that God gave to someone else that loved us. Right? Think about that. There's someone in all of our lives that God says, I'm entrusting Carl to you, to my parents. Hey, Ralph, Ruby, I'm entrusting your kids to you. You give them me, you give them Jesus. And because my parents were faithful, they gave me Jesus. My youth pastors, Clinton Landeza, Jeff McKay, Sumo Sato, all these guys. Hey, you're, one, of, one of your targets with Tom Tom over there is Carl. And I want you to make sure you give Jesus to Carl. Because someone gave Jesus to me, I'm here today, and now God is going, Carl, who's on your radar? Who are the targets I have for you? All of us are here today because we were someone's task. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so we have a job to do. We have a responsibility. We keep going, servant managers. Let's pray. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for the position you've given us, Lord. And it's, I don't want us to leave here thinking that you're some mean boss or dictator or someone that's cracking the whip over our heads. The thing is, you call us servants, but we serve gladly. We serve willingly because you gave your very son for us. Because you proved to us that the benefits far outweigh anything that's scary or negative about being a Christian. Lord, that you answer our prayers every day. You do miracles in our life. You change our whole perspective. You change the world around us through us. Lord, the, the hope that I saw firsthand and compassion in the Philippines and what you're doing, Lord, all the more makes me want to serve you and to be your under rower and to be a good manager of what you've entrusted to me, Father God, in my areas of responsibility. Lord, I want to make you proud. That's all that matters to me. I just want to make you proud every single day when I wake up. And it doesn't really matter what the rest of the world's opinions are of me or even my own flawed opinions of myself. Lord, I want to make you proud. I pray that we would live as a people, as a church, as a group, as a family that just keeps our head down and keeps on going and keeps going after those that you've put in our lives to reach with the love of Jesus. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to do it each in our own way, in our own personality. Some are pastors, some are outspoken evangelists, some of us are just prayer warriors, some of us just got that one person we're working on. Some of us it's 10 or 20, but it doesn't matter. Each of us has our own task and assignment to do, Lord. Help us to stick to that, to hold on to what you've called us to do and not lose sight of where we're going. We thank you for that, Father. And right now, Lord, as always, we want to give opportunity for anybody that's here today They've never met Jesus. They don't know the Christian life completely and truly and, and are really jumped in with both feet. If you're here this morning and you're going, man, I like what I hear. It sounds like there's a good God that really loves me and he's got a plan for my life and wants to save me and forgive me of all the hurt and the wrong and the, the junk in my life. He wants to change it into something good. If that's you here today and you can identify with what I'm saying right now and you're going, something needs to change. I feel God speak. I feel something. I feel like I need to make a change. I feel like I need to take a chance on God. Well, guess what? I believe that God is here and he's calling out to you right now. And I believe that you come to the right place this morning. He wants to change your life 
and work some new things into your life. And he wants to have a relationship with you, not just in this life, but in the life eternal, that you don't have to be scared of death anymore, that you can believe that God's got you and that if you die, you'll go to heaven and be with him. But right now he can bring healing. He can bring freedom. He can bring excitement. He can, he can erase what opinions have been spoken about you, maybe even by yourself. And he can give you his opinion, his approval, and his blessing in your life. If you're here this morning and you're ready to take that step to accept it, because that's all you're doing is you're accepting all of God. You're not bringing him into your life. You're giving your life into him, into his hands, and he's going to do something awesome with it. If, if that's the decision you're making in your heart right now, I want to lead you in a prayer. Here's how it's going to work. I'm going to lead you in the prayer. I'm going to say the words out loud. And I'm going to ask that you just agree with those words in your heart of hearts. I'm not going to make you pray out loud in front of all these people. I just want you to agree in your heart to God to say, yes, Lord, here's my life. Take it. Do something cool. Do something amazing. And if you want to do that right now and you want to say that prayer with me, I'm going to say it out loud. You say it quietly. I just want to ask one thing that you would let me know if you're in this room right now and you're going to say that prayer with me. How we're going to do that is I'm going to count to three in a minute here. The people sit, seated around you, they have their eyes closed. They're not looking, but I'm looking because I want to know who I get the privilege of praying with. When I, when I count to three, I'm going to ask that you would raise your hand to let me know, hey, pastor, I want to pray that prayer right now. I want, to, I want to know that I'm a Christian and know that God has my life. If that's something that you want to do, on three, I want you to raise your hand. Ready? One, two, three. Raise those hands. Let me see. I see one. I see two. I see three. Thank you, Lord. Four over here. Five, six. Praise God for those hands. How about six people? Seven, maybe someone in the back. Amen. Go ahead and put your hands down right now, and I want you to pray this prayer with me. Uh, you guys don't even know. Uh, my heart just left within me. I'm so stoked that you're making this decision, but let me lead you in this prayer right now. You make it the prayer of your hearts right now. Father God, I'm here today, and I realize my need for you. Lord, I want you. I want something different. I want a hope. I want something to live for. I want direction. I want to know that, that I'm okay, that I'm a good person, that there's someone that has my back no matter what and has good plans for my life. Lord, I believe it's you. And Lord, right now in this place, I'm telling you, I believe that your son Jesus came to this earth, went to that cross to pay the price for my sins, that he bought me at that moment if I would accept the payment made for me, and that he he died and he rose again. He conquered death. He conquered sin. He overcame it. That proves that he's overcome that in my life, Lord, so that I know that I can live a life that is set free with your power and your, your just ability to change things in my life. And I'm looking forward to that. Lord, I accept the payment that Jesus made on the cross for me. From this moment on, Lord, I give you my life. Lord, my life is in your hands. I trust you to lead me, to guide me, to start fixing the things that are broken, to start healing the things that hurt. Lord, to, to take away the guilt, the shame, the addictions, the stuff that I don't need. Lord, I trust you. My life is in your hands. Lord, I'm asking you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I want to see the miraculous in my life. Lord, I don't want to sign up for a good Christian club. I want to know that I'm encountering a relationship with the living God. So Holy Spirit, move in my life. Show me how real you are. Lord, I promise to start reading your word, to know you better, to stay plugged into this church that loves you and knows you so much. Lord, I can have a family around me that will support me as I learn more about you and as I go through hardships in my life, that they're there and you're there. Father, I promise to get water baptized as a symbol of what you're doing in my life. Lord, I'm dying to my old self. I'm being born a new creation. Lord, whether it's this weekend, because I know they're offering baptism today, Lord, that if you're calling me to do that, I would do it today and not be scared and not be ashamed, but be excited to proclaim that you're the Lord of my life or sometime in the future. Lord, help me to do that as well. 
But Lord, I just want to tell you, I'm all in. I'm sold out. It's all you from this moment on. Speak to me. Guide my life. Show me what you're all about. I look forward to what you're doing. Thank you for forgiving me and saving me and calling me your child. And in Jesus' mighty name, we all praise God and say amen. And we thank you, Lord, for seven people this morning. Amen. Thank you, church.